This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. This is iFanboy Booksplode, Batman by Neil Adams, book three. When you're down and troubled and you need a helping hand and nothing, oh, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me And soon I will be there To brighten up even your darkest night Hello, welcome to Booksplode. My name is Connor Kilpatrick and I am here with Josh Flanagan. That is me. You got that correct. And this is Booksplode, our bi-monthly podcast that was unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy in which josh and i or sometimes special guests take a look at a graphic novel a collection an original graphic novel a old collection something bigger than your regular comic book and last year in 2019 we spent most of that year re-examining the 90s reading again stories we had read in our youth and or we'd never read but mostly from the 90s period and as we came into this year, we thought, well, what are we going to do? Let's jump to the 70s, because that's mostly a blind spot. You know, we were born in the 70s, so we didn't read a lot of 70s comics, or, or, or as many as other decades. So we figured, let's try that out. I think we're aware of the names and the trends and the, you know, how things w- went then. But I don't think we've ever really read a lot of it. Or at least ex- Explored a lot on the various iFanboy outlets. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Josh may be immediately regretting that decision. We'll get to that on the show. <laughs> We're talking about this book, which is a collection from DC. It's book three. We thought it'd be fun at least to jump into the third book in the series, not the first, because those comics back then were designed that way. And that, that absolutely held true, by the way. There was, there's no like, oh man, I hadn't read the first two books. I'm lost. So this is a... Um, Series of the features the artwork of Neil Adams and it features mostly the the stories by Denny O'Neill and inks by Dick Giordano. Although the last did I say Giordano? Giordano. You did. 
Yeah. This is literally the first time I've spoken out loud today. I think Gio Dando was the uh, uncle of the guy from the Lemonheads. <laughs> so, and then the last two stories in this book, which we'll talk about, were written by Neil Adams and also inked by him. Actually, I'm really glad we did this volume because it's very Ra's al Ghul heavy and it, um, mm-hmm. spoilers for your, for your 40-year-old comics. No, the, I don't think there's any spoiler warning needed for this. That's I'm going to go ahead and just say, let's, let's not, you know what, let's, it doesn't apply. So they're very Ra's al Ghul heavy. In fact, this collection features the first appearance of Ra's al Ghul. And as a kid in the 80s, a lot of, these are a lot of the comics I read. I didn't read these specific comics. I actually read one or two of these specific comics that are in this collection. But when I was a kid and going to the comic store, I didn't go in and buy new comics. I would go into the back issue bin and buy older Bronze Age stuff. And so a lot of this era is the era that I read or at least had issues from. So this felt... Mm-hmm. Very much like a warm Batman blanket. Almost. It was as if, it was as if somebody took your warm right. Batman blanket and then dyed it in new colors that right. ruined it. Let's talk about that in a second. And this, so this is your, this is your more globe-trotting Batman. A lot of this he's spent, it's international. He's at ski chalets. Yeah. He's at Ra's al Ghul's uh, fortresses all across the globe. A lot of romance with Talia. That's where I think a lot of my uh, feelings about him being should be with Talia instead of Catwoman come from. And also a lot of Batman and Robin together as a team, which is basically non-existent now. Yeah, has has been non-existent for decades. And so this felt great to read, even if you have to recalibrate your mind into what you're reading. And I had forgotten what an asshole Batman was. But let's talk about what you just mentioned, which is that it's recolored. It, yeah, and I think that it's it's sort of we're going to mention it as a preamble, and I'm not going to go back to it. It was the very first thing I noticed as I started reading, and I was like, this is not period correct color no and i get it there's probably maybe there's even technical printing reasons why that's the case but what i don't really like at all is that there's no there's no mention of it like yeah. there's no colorists mentioned anywhere in it right. it's not they're not crediting the person who came back through and recolored it <laughs> maybe they took their name off it because it's yeah so no bad. right because they know they were like i'll take the job but don't tell anyone i did this like it's like a vinnie coletta for hire and uh it's wrong and it's, it's funny really because bad. it's bad. I, mean, I think actually, it might be better as it goes because it's... I was going to say it's the it's worse as it goes. Oh, really? You know what? It, it faded in and out. I, that's what I noticed. Yeah. Like sometimes I was like, "This isn't so bad," and then it would go back. You know, but, but it, it's telling to me that the cover is recolored. I, I think it's got the highlights in it, like the digital highlights. But yeah, there's bits. If you look at like the title page, that looks more like it should. Like the blue is blue. Yeah. And I just feel like this stuff was inked and drawn with that in mind. And so, therefore... The shading, the, the, all this shading and highlighting, it's, it's, it's jarring. It's, it's really it's, jarring. It's, it's subtractive, not additive. I keep looking at page 10 on your digital reader. The, the, that's the, I think the picture you sent me originally with the, four, the brow of Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. It's just... I, and I realize this is like standard operating procedure, especially at DC mm-hmm. for these old collections. To for some reason they feel they feel they have to be recolored, and maybe it is a production reason. Maybe the colors are lost. Maybe they can't print them. Who knows? But yeah, they could also and, and the way they the way they did colors back then, I still don't understand with color separation, blah blah blah. But they could recolor them in a style that matches the old coloring. Yes, and exactly. they they choose not to do that, and it's a real detriment to the art. Even somebody like Neil Adams, who draws much more in a modern style than other artists at the time, it still doesn't work. <laughs> and it's very much like the Star Wars special editions. When mm-hmm. I watch those, I want to watch them as they were originally on the screen, not all spiffied out. Uh, although I, I do like watching the Star Trek with the new special effects, so who knows. But 
Here, I'd rather read the comics as they were published. And if you go through the back, uh, there's a huge cover gallery. Mm-hmm. And it's the coloring. I think it's mostly the coloring from then. It's more like flat color. And it just looks so much better. It just it just looks so much better. Neil Adams draw and and and, and I, I give I'm gonna give a ton of credit to Dick Giordano. I think yeah, a, sure. a ton. You know they draw in such a t- the a texture the way that people don't draw anymore because they have the colorists. Where you know all that sort of shading and cross hatching and bits you know that created the 3D effect that created the shapes that created the light yep. and that that was enough. And I loved it. It's important to talk about because it does affect the book in a, in a certain way for sure. Yeah, and you're not getting a real historical view of what the stuff was. It's n- it's not a document anymore. It's not a historical document anymore because yes. it's changed. It's unfortunate, and that's again that seems to be standard operating procedure for DC. And I would love to talk to someone to find out if that's if there's a reason why, or if that's just they, if someone in charge feels that's the aesthetic they should do. But I can't imagine that anyone who is buying a collection of '70s Batman comics would then feel turned off if the coloring wasn't modern. I can't imagine the the. Well, I mean, we lived we lived through the era where you know Ted Turner thought that nobody would watch old movies unless he colored them. So he's a monster. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's it's the same thing. Like if, if I'm watching an old movie, I want to watch it as originally presented, not yes. not with weird painted coloring on it. So let's talk about the, yes. the 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 work as best we're able. Yeah. So this features uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten stories in its. 200 and how many pages? This is 266 pages. And then I love the cover gallery at the end. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole book. I mean, it was to me, honestly, I'm not. This is it it was the best part of the whole thing. The covers were amazing. There were several of them where I just, oh, this is, you know, and they were all very like pulpy and like. Well, we talk about covers now. And dying? How they're just pinups. And I understand there's a reason for it because they're often done before the books are even written and drawn. But like those covers told stories. You really mm-hmm. got a sense of what you were in for from those covers, and they were they were dramatic, and everyone was always dying on them. You know, Robin's getting shot, yeah. Superman's dead, like, and then of course there's a swerve in the story where that doesn't happen. But it just it felt so much more dynamic than what you get now, which is just here's pinup of character on in the book. Robin's constantly dying on the covers. In fact, I started keeping a record of covers that I find in which Robin is thought to be dead, including this one yeah. <laughs> where he's being shot. And then he gets yep. shot in the very first page, so I guess that works. There's over 30 pages of covers, and it, it, it doesn't get old. No, I loved it. I, it kept going, and I was like, this is, this is so good. Uh, so yeah. in the first story here, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but the, the, the first story is the one where Ra's al Ghul makes his first appearance, and it's Robin has been kidnapped, Batman goes to investigate, and he is confronted in his Batcave by Ra's al Ghul and Ubu, who <laughs> Batman <laughs> really hates, who's Ra's al Ghul's you know, henchman. And his daughter has been kidnapped, his daughter Talia, who he had met first. She she first appeared, and then an issue later, Ra's al Ghul appeared. So Batman... Yeah, that was, that was a question I had. Yeah, so Batman knew who she was from from previous uh, issue. And so Robin has been kidnapped, Talia has been kidnapped, so Batman and Ra's al Ghul must work together uh, to figure out what has happened mm-hmm. in this story. And this is a very international globetrotting Batman and Ra's al Ghul story. You know, Batman's in snow gear, and they're they're in like uh, what city is that that they're in where they get attacked by the leopard? Calcutta. <laughs> they're all over the map trying to find where their loved ones have gone. So, what did you think when you first like the first the opening story? Not having read these kind of things before, I spent a little time orienting myself. I kind of enjoyed it, but I kind of I I, I definitely thought, boy, this is a lot of words. 
And, you know, I, I think you mentioned at the beginning, like it takes a little while to orient yourself to the style of the time. Mm-hmm. And you sort of you sort of go, well, I can I can kind of skim this bit. And which is what I ended up doing. To, I, I, actually, I did actually read the whole thing. But at a certain point, I was like, I'm just going to be looking at the storytelling and seeing how it goes. There's a lot here that, you know, isn't terribly important. And I was forming a lot of I was I was sort of noting a lot of the stylistic things that were a different from now and B that, you know, Neil Adams really excels at. Mm-hmm. I think if nothing else, I think the thing that stands out more than anything is, is two things. There's the, there's the layouts, which is funny because sometimes the layouts are incredibly dynamic and sometimes they're pretty straightforward. This first, first story is pretty much squared off grids. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of panel breaking and the action that happens between them um, is dynamic, but man, his like, action poses when batman would be kicking or or swinging on his rope or you know when he's fighting the cheetah yep. people don't do it like that anymore no his body language is wholly his own it's figure drawing in perspective yeah totally yeah. there's just ways that people are oriented you know there's a scene on page 22 where batman's pushing two guards aside it's just a very unusual body language there's one scene in, a, in one of the issues where batman is like knocked out and the camera's really low on the floor, and it's just him splayed out. It's just so – it's a very non-heroic pose. I noticed that a bunch of times. Uh, he was real – like it, when he did a thing of somebody being knocked out and like sort of like uh, like laying out. on the floor, yeah. there's one where like both of his legs were sort of in front of him like he was laying down. And I just thought, wow, his his anatomy is excellent. Yeah. Really good. And then you've got that sort of – that Dick Giordano inking with that sort of Al Williamson, it's my favorite thing because the comics used to all look like this or, or attempt it and no one does it like this anymore. And I do like the, I like, you know, the fact that there are different art styles available and there's, you know, many shades of excellent, but there is something about the way that, you know, they draw those ridges between the muscles and the, and the hatch marks and the, you know, the way that the cape is drawn that is just so, you know, this is comic book to me. Yes, and I think you see the value of an inker, especially in that, that period oh, of time yeah. where Giordano's inking over Neil Adams is better than Adams on his own, as was Klaus Janssen over Frank Miller. Yeah. You know, it, was, it, was a, it was a team back then for a reason, mm-hmm. in an era where right. inkers are fast disappearing. Yeah, I mean, J- Jimmy Palmiotti over Joe Casada comes to mind. J- Palmiotti yeah. is a classic inker. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, and then, you know, you see what Neil Adams does now and I kind of wonder, well, like, is this age and shortcuts or is this, you know, this is what he wants to do. And I don't think it helps. Uh, it's, probably, it's probably both, you know. Yeah, he's, he's not, yeah I'm old, not sure. But st- know, styles also change as they get older. And sure. ironically, this week we have a Neil Adams book, you know, another issue of his Batman series out now. But it doesn't look like this. The foundations are there, but mm-hmm. Giordano polishes it up in a really beautiful way. I think and there's bits going through here where there's some of this just sloppy or it feels it. And I'm wondering if that's a reproduction thing. I don't know. Some of it is crystal clear and beautiful. And, you know, the facial acting and, and just all the details are really beautiful. And then there's others where it just looks like big blotches of ink. <laughs> you know, like some of the Joker faces for some reason are really odd. Yeah, it's hard to know. The second story, the Two-Face story, this one was in... The uh, greatest Batman stories ever told collection. So I have I have read yes. this, this one a lot. 
the revenge of the no i had the i never had the greatest batman stories i had the greatest joker stories so i had read the the five the, the, there's a Joker's joker five one later in. that's in the joker collection but this one this yep. two-faced one is definitely in the greatest one of the volumes either volume one or volume two i remember the mustard lady and then the, him batman scaring the guy who who talks about how he beat batman up if you ever saw him so this one i'd read before I, his two-face is terrific it made me think about Two-Face because he has morphed over the time. Here, he's just a man with a scarred half-face because he had acid thrown in it. Now he's a guy who has entire body seems to be scarred on the left side, even his hand and his neck and his hair, and does, which doesn't make any sense from his origin, but that's the way he's done now. I think it was the influence of the Batman, the animated series cartoon, which gave him a green hand too. But here, mm-hmm. it's just a man who from behind would look like any other man except that his face is all scarred on one side, and that's something that his character has changed a lot over the years. I think what was interesting in that one is that um, this version, and I, I don't know, who can say how much of this is canon, they'd all have to be 150 years old, right. but he had been, re- like Bruce Wayne had repaired him and fixed him, and then he got in just like another freak accident happened. Yeah, that happens a lot with Two-Face. A lot of plastic surgery. And I thought that, because at first, I, I don't know if I'd missed the first bit, and I was like, wait a minute, that's not how he was injured. And I went back and said, oh, no, no. That's the courtroom. The courtroom thing happened, and everything after that gets kind of fuzzy. There's a um, very classic Batman panel. There's a couple of like really classic imagery. One is that image of Batman running in the Joker story, where he's like, it's he's uh, it's a very long angle shot of him. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, and in a Two Face one on page forty, it's him looking at the camera and sort of starting to clench his fist, but he's only in the process of doing it. You know, being very angsty about 40? what's going on. Page forty in your digital reader. I'm look, uh, the oh, bottom, I'm sorry. That, I was looking, that yep, bottom yep. panel, uh, that's a very classic Batman image. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. And then the uh, caption asks if we have figured out the mystery yet. This is still that era where they were, <laughs> they talk to you in the caption. I love sometimes. that. I hadn't. I hadn't either. <laughs> and I'm a much older <laughs> person than I was back then. What's interesting about this era is that comics are still ostensibly for kids, but... I think they discovered in the 60s with Marvel that a lot of adults were still reading their books. So you've got this middle ground in the storytelling where it's still supposedly made for children, but it's sophisticated enough for adults for the most mm-hmm. part. As you get to this part uh, that we're talking about in, you know, in through this and then that sort of Halloween costume story that comes after that, right. you start to notice the elongation of Batman. Like he mm-hmm. seems to get taller and not necessarily leaner but just like muscular and long like mm-hmm. like uh what's his i was trying to there's an actor i can't think of the the vampire the sexy vampire who's a sarsgaard or Skarsgård, whichever he right. is Sar- alex alex Skarsgård. Right. you know like he and his face is sort of longer and taller and that's and when i think of uh neil adams i always think of sort of like a three-quarter view of the side of batman's mask mm-hmm. and his face just looks long and he has very cut jaw bones and you know now he, he doesn't quite have that yeah, that was the that lasted through Jim Aparo yep. and that kind of era where Batman was a long and lean guy, and now he's sort of like you know a giant muscular dude. Yeah, not that he wasn't muscular before, but he was definitely more of like an acrobatic type yeah. of character. I loved that story you're talking about the the Halloween one, Night of the Reaper, yeah. in which many Marvel characters make appearances because <laughs> it's Halloween and <laughs> Dick Grayson in college with his vest. Uh, so this in this era, Dick Grayson has been aged up into a college age. So he's a he's a he's away a lot, but also reappears a lot. There's a whole story with him and his college friends, and I loved the one college friend who is clearly high out of his gourd, but they can't say, go yeah. out and say it. Who is really obsessed with floats? 
and asks everybody. <laughs> he asks everybody that he meets what they think about floats, even in the, even in the midst of fistfights. It was really funny, and and also just when he's walking around by himself, thinking he says, "Man, I just gotta <laughs> find someone to rap with about floats." <laughs> this is also all the, the shit's going down. He just wants floats, man. This is also the seventies, so they it's this is this feels mm-hmm. of a time in, in the culture because the the language yeah. is very seventies, especially with the kids. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, costume party. There's a giant guy dressed as Thor. Then there's Spider Man, and it's a brooding Solomon Grundy. <laughs> so... And then Havoc for some reason, because yeah. you know Neil Adams knows that stuff. I just thought this was a really fun story and wacky, and you know, and, and it involves a, was it a Nazi? Yeah, an old Nazi. Yeah. Well, he's a concentration camp survivor. Yeah. The, the killer. Right. And and so he goes to find a yeah. There's a Nazi that he's getting his revenge on who who had escaped justice. That's right. And then a tragic ending in a very 70s way where the, the star of David Necklace on the guys where they killed distracts him and he falls to his death. And then there's a very dramatic shot of him dead with the, the star of David Necklace next to him. And it was very, like, ironic ending death. And the, the mm-hmm. heartbreak of Batman's face in the previous panel is really terrific. This was, I thought this was a really great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, in the way that it's of a time. And it's really interesting and probably quite forward for that time. The art is the whole way through. Every time I look at the art, I'm like, wow. He was hitting on another level, you know, like, and you go, oh, I see where John Byrne comes from. You know, right. that, that sort of straight line. The next story, I think we return to Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, we do. Oh, man. And uh, with the ski, the ski, uh, Olympic ski woman. Everything about that was great. This, this is, I mean, this is a James Bond story. Yeah. Thousand percent. You know, Batman is on skis in it. And you've got this guy. Who's the dude? The martial arts guy? I don't know. Just some guy. Ling? Ling. Ling. And I loved that because it was like a Wookiee life debt. <laughs> right, right. He owes a life debt to both Batman and also uh, Robin is playing Matches Malone, which is fantastic. In an inflatable bodysuit. Yep. <laughs> he owes a life debt to Batman and to Ra's al Ghul, so then they have to fight so that Ling can figure out who he's supposed to go with, and he ends up going to Batman. Then they meet this Olympic skier in her sexy bodysuit, and uh, oh, it's great. She helps them with their <laughs> in their adventure, like beating dudes up and she learned a thing or two being a international Olympic skier. This is the introduction of the Lazarus Pit, I believe. I think so, yeah. And also the continuation of Batman and Ubu's rivalry for the affections of Razagul. Here's the thing, though. Batman is obsessed with thinking that Ubu is fat. <laughs> Ubu is a well-conditioned man. Yeah. He's not fat. And so if he thinks that guy's fat, what does Batman think of you? <laughs> exactly. So then one, one scene, he, he knocks Ubu out. <laughs> he sits over him going, he'll sleep the sleep of the fat, ugly, and stupid. I was like, Jesus, Batman. <laughs> he yeah. really hates Ubu in a way I've never read before. Yeah, it's kind of fun. There's a couple bits where Batman is skiing, and, and I was just like, well, that's something Neil Adams can't draw. <laughs> he can't draw Batman skiing very well, which doesn't take away from its it almost adds to its wonder oh the, the page i was thinking about was page 99 in that story the next issue in which batman has been knocked out and it's just this very unheroic shot of him he's like ass and his legs and they're all crumpled and it's, just, it's a very natural yeah that's literally it that's the one yeah his knees aren't aligned so he's he's just down and that I was like, wow, that's a wonderful bit of figure drawing. And that's really? something that wouldn't happen even now. It's totally anatomically no. correct, but he doesn't look heroic, so nobody would draw a character that way now. And that still shows you how good Neil Adams was and why he mm-hmm. is totally deserving of the place he's been put into in the art echelon. 
But yeah, this was super fun. This was Batman as James Bond. This is the kind of story that Grant Morrison had said he wanted to do when he originally came back to Batman back, you know, 10 years ago, was this globetrotting Batman who always ends up with his shirt off fighting somebody, but with the rest of the outfit on. And I don't know yeah. how that works. I'm, I'm looking at that same page uh, that we were just talking about, and I don't understand the physics of Ra's al Ghul's pants. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what holds them up. That's like a, it points at his butt crack, and I was like, I've, I mean... I'm not in this good shape, but I've worn pants. And that's not how that works unless there's some sort of adhesive involved. There's there's the spirit gum. But this is also, you've got like manly, hairy chest Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not like waxed, like a baby seal, you know, no. man's body. This is like, he takes off that shirt to fight Ra's al Ghul in the desert. And it's, it's Tom Selleck. And also sexy Jodhpur's Talia. <laughs> who's, who's, like at some point her shirt is like, way up high showing the midriff and at other points in like it like literally stops right under where her bra would be and then other things it covers her all the way up it's all that shirt's all over the place in this it, actually this is a really good example of look at most of it so like it uh look at page uh 110 you're talking about the final page yeah 110 yeah. 111 yeah yeah it's very it's almost like they 111 looks like it was drawn very hastily it looks like it was one panel that they blew up to fill this this the page. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It, it's just less resolution. That's definitely true. The leg looks weird. Batman's leg. It almost doesn't look like it's Neil Adams at all. No. And that kind of stuff sort of happened in and out through the whole thing. And I, and I I really do have a feeling that that has a lot to do with production because you've got just got pages that are much higher quality than I don't others. Think that is Neil Adams. It looks yeah. like it's. It's weird, it right? It doesn't look like him though. I'd love to find the original issue of this and compare. Yeah, and also, like, I, I just wish that they were a little more straightforward with, t- tell me what the production, you know, tell me who, who colored it. Tell me who, you know, we, you know, we had to do production assist somewhere. Right. Because I do, I think you're right. Like, I don't think there's any way to view this. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to say there's no way to view this other than a historical document. But maybe they do, you know, the kid goes and buys it and then likes to read it just like we would have. Right. You know, I guess, I guess that's possible. But I can't imagine that's the bulk of the market they're actually selling them to. No, for sure. Let's jump ahead a little bit. You know, there's the story about Bruce Wayne having thinking he's dead. He's dead. That was all right. Mm-hmm. Then there's a Joker story. You're right. There's a couple of pages on here where the Joker's face is really strange. I'm looking at page uh, 134. The guy is clearly Neil Adams, but it almost looks like current Neil Adams. Like he redrew the page. Mm-hmm. I bet. You know what? I bet that's what's happening. I bet they're having him do the fixes where they need it. Because this doesn't look at all like the rest of the book, this page. Nope. And I, but it does look like the current stuff Neil Adams is doing, so I wonder if he redrew this. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. This is the one where, where he fights the shark, which has always stuck with me. Batman fights a tiger <laughs> shark right. with a chain. And, I, and literally, I also thought, I'd go, you'd never do this story today because you couldn't kill a shark. You, you know, know what? Like, a lot of this... So... Page 139 with the famous image of Joker stepping on Batman. Again, that looks like modern Neil Adams. Especially the Joker face in the corner. That, that's not period Neil Adams. That's in my greatest Joker stories ever told. I could get that out and compare, which was printed probably 30. And also, a lot, I, I noticed a lot of these imagery from this period were used for the, the DC superheroes dictionary that I had. That I did a, oh, yeah. a fanboy mini on, but uh, you can no longer see unless we get the next stretch goal on our Patreon. But a lot of these images were taken from Neil Adams. I saw a couple of them in this collection. Page 149 is one of the most iconic Batman images ever. I'm looking through this. I'm thinking that he redrew a lot of pages in the story. Maybe the pages were lost. 
Yeah, or or they were just or they know, were like, damaged, or they were just not good enough, or they only had pencils or something. There's you know, like, no way yeah. this is original Neil Adams in a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one forty nine is one of the most iconic Batman images ever. Absolutely. Then you have the werewolf story. Yeah, I didn't like that one so much. I kind of did in that like it wasn't straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, it was very silly. I love that the fact that the bad guy had that really bad bowl haircut like <laughs> i feel like a lot of bad guys used to look like that like weasel bowl haircut guys right and their plan was terrible their right. plan was to <laughs> was to tell bruce wayne that he'd only donate to the charity if batman came by his house to pick it up and he's like would you like a drink batman <laughs> and then he had drugged the drink and i was like who think he's gonna have the drink <laughs> i like that it was ridiculous it wasn't good it doesn't hold up well but it is really funny and also, I think it's important. These aren't necessarily chronological. I mean, they're chronological. Mm-hmm. They're not ten issues in a row. They pick and yeah. choose. It was a highlights from that run. Yeah, and I think that's fine. And then the last two are from, I guess, the collected. You know, you get the the comic book and a record. Yeah. So this is this important with. to talk about because these are very different than, the, than what comes before. Yeah. So the book and record set. It's fun to read as you hear. There's two stories from this set. You bought a little record. Was it like 45? Was that what it was called? Yeah. And you got a comic book that you could read along with. First of all, you can find these on YouTube. Mm-hmm. They're there. I found the Man Bat one. You know, it's full production, like sound effects. and. I bet they made a million dollars from this. <laughs> probably. And so Neil Adams wrote and drew these. And from the style of the writing and definitely from listening to it, it's very much trying to recapture Batman 66. So the style is totally different. These were squarely aimed at children. And I'm, I'm curious as to why they put these in other than as an interesting historical artifact, because they are not in the more sophisticated style of the previous stories. These are squarely aimed at, at kids. It said that Neil Adams wrote those, so yeah. I'm, you know, maybe he wanted them included. Or, you know, but this actually lends credence to the historical document, right. you know, idea. Like, because this is, you know, if you're being completed, he's like, well, he wrote these. Fuck, maybe he's proud of them. Maybe he's like, you should put those in. I wrote well, those. Probably, I mean, he shouldn't necessarily not be if they were children's sure. stories. And this is like... You know, there's a red phone the commissioner has in his office. He has an Irish cop sidekick who isn't called Chief. Uh, why, why, why am I not remembering the chief's name from the show? Oh, God. In this, the man bat, Kirk Langstrom, is yeah. really more of a good guy. Is that? Well, that's kind of what he is. But the best part of all that, though, is that besides the fact that he looks about like about five different people in a little flashback to his life. Chief O'Hara. God damn it. Oh, yeah. Apparently, when Kurt Langstrom would work in his laboratory, he would wear a cape uh, with a chain and a collar. Well, you got to be ready for your transformation into a supervillain. I guess so. It's very much recapturing something from 10 years ago at the time this was published. It was the dynamic of the show. Batman and Robin's relationship was more like the show. The dialogue was a bit more, um, I don't say clunky, but more of that. The the Batman dialogue in the show was me, was was intentionally square. You know, he was intentionally written as a square as to contrast the villains. And so here we have that. So it's a little jarring to read, especially after the previous stories. I liked reading them, but these were hard to read. Yeah. I will say, throughout the whole thing, these stories included, you know, at the end, anytime Robin shows up, it was better. Yes, 100%. Like, every time, you know, and I found that really interesting because... We don't experience that in the same way. They don't go on missions together. I feel like I've only ever seen Batman alone or sort of grudgingly working with people or, you know, Superman will drop by. 
like, you know, him and Robin going out and doing stuff. And, you know, I can 100 percent see why you liked, you know, the Dick Grayson Robin character so much. If this was the kind of thing you were reading, like it really rounded things out in a way that, you know, still worked. And ironically, it was Neil Adams who was tangentially involved in the change. So that change came about with Tim Drake. Mm-hmm. Neil Adams designed Tim Drake's costume, and you, ha- you see the famous drawing of it in the, in the back of this collection mm-hmm. that was a poster that I had. Dick Grayson and then Jason Todd, they were, they were the sidekicks. They didn't have their own books, and they were in his missions, and they weren't always in them, but they were always there. And then Tim mm-hmm. comes along, and they decide to give him his own comic and his own adventures, and basically since that time, which was the early 90s, he hasn't really been... A constant presence in Batman's life and adventures. Yeah. Now, Damien has been a bit more. They had the Batman and Robin book for a little while, but Batman and Robin, the Teen Wonder, as said in the covers here, is not really the dynamic anymore. And mm-hmm. it's a bummer because you're right; it is way better when when Robin is with him. Yeah. So, did Neil Adams design that Tim Drake costume? Yes. That's a great costume. Yes. I mean, I prefer the original, but yes. Before we talk about that, I just want to mention there was something I legitimately laughed at in these stories. Page one eighty eight with the Joker, where he He's going to get away from Batman, so he jumps from the pier into the water, mm-hmm. but it's low tide, and so he's, <laughs> he's stuck, and then you turn the page, and the reveal of him sort of stuck in the diving pose in the mud was so ridiculous that it made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Neil Adams, he did, so there's two of these, there's the, there's the Joker one and the Man Bat one. The Man Bat one, I probably enjoyed less, because I just never really, really cared about Man Bat. He's kind of like, sure. he's like the lizard for Spider-Man, I just don't really care. But, you know, there, there are things to appreciate. And as you mentioned to me, the whole thing is about Robin meets the Man-Bat. I think that's the name of the story. Yeah. So Batman introduces him twice. Yes. To the Man-Bat. Yeah, Robin meets Man-Bat is the name of the book, is the name of the story. And, yeah, Robin complains. Maybe you should introduce him. So he introduces them again. That's like me and about, well, there's, there's a specific comic creator who I've been introduced to a thousand times. <laughs> I can't say the stuff. It sounds silly, but man, this cover gallery from page 215... It, to yeah. whatever it's terrific 245 and it really is i mean it's a tablet background bonanza <laughs> <laughs> you're right you're the best right. one by the way my favorite is uh on page 230 okay it's batman looking at a body on a gurney under a sheet and he says on the left side as we go left to right because that's how comics work Professor, I swear I'll avenge your death. And as you move to the right, you see a brain in a jar on a pedestal. And it says, I'm not dead, Ben. (laughs) How much do you want to read that issue? (laughs) I really want to read that issue. And then the sheet actually just says DOA on it, in case you weren't sure. (laughs) That's a corpse. Yeah, I mean. It begs so many questions. It's great. And it's almost like this is the real historical record. This really gives you a sense of the era. Of all these different mm-hmm. kind of stories. And there's a world's finest one with Superman and Batman. Where Batman's flying. He's saying up, up, and away. And Superman's crashing saying, what's happening to me? I can't fly anymore. I want to read that one. Yep. You know what sucks about these covers, though? What? They took the prices off all of them. Why? Why indeed? Why did they? I didn't notice that. But why did that they do is that? Interesting. I mean, I mean, literally, like the idea of being able to see the prices is interesting. Because I'm reading it and I thought, somebody paid 15 cents for this or quarter or whatever, and then you go through these at the end, and wow. they've decided that for some reason there's a, a political marketing reason or something that they shouldn't put the prices on there, and that's insane. I didn't notice that before, but that is crazy. Mm-hmm. Each circle where the price would be is either blank or it has the 48 pages, and then below it is, is all blank. Yeah. 52 big pages, don't take less, blank. 
Yep. Wow, wow, wow. There's some really interesting decision-making here. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, I, I don't understand. You know, I don't think, okay, just, just you know, like, there's a lot of people like, ugh, Didio. You know, this doesn't make it up to Dan Didio's desk. That's This is not a thing that has to do with that. But it feels like there's an overall sort of corporate culture of extreme caution. It's so weird. It is. It's not like the information is not available, right. you know? Even the more modern stuff, because it's us going into the 90s. There's the Batman mm-hmm. Annual 14 from 1990 that Neil Adams did the cover for. That one doesn't have a cover price on it. So by the way, that one has internal art by Chris Sprouse, so it probably looks awesome. I remember that one. I have that one. Sure you do. Uh, so then page 248, that's the famous drawing that Neil Adams did of the new Robin costume that was included with as a poster, I believe, with the first issue of Robin, like a mm-hmm. mini poster. Chuck Dixon write that? Yeah. That before him yeah pin up for robin number one yeah that was november 1991 that was um when tim drake came about and that's when it changed that's when everything changed and robin became a solo character as a kid didn't like it but man it's a good costume yep oh it's it's a fine co- it's a really good update you know on the old one which doesn't sort of lend itself to the how come he has boy panties on you right. know but still has the same idea and then you can see how his art changes as you get further on and 2005 and 2009 especially you can see how his style has changed in the dc universe illustrated by neil adams volume one collection cover they have here not bad but different and the sketchbook yep. which is interesting too in the back where there's a lot of neil adams has done a lot of he's done a lot of commercial art and he's a he's in addition to comic artists he's a commercial illustrator and so here he's done a lot of like design work for dc like uh, designing their rides at amusement parks and designing commercial stuff that we've never seen before that's in the back here that's interesting as well as like consumer products artwork Oh, yeah, he's done a ton of stuff. You can hear this little bio of him on the back sort of gives you a very basic idea of sort of the kind of stuff that he did. But, you know, like he's, a, he's still a working artist. Mm-hmm. Oh, for you sure. know, done all sorts of things. Like he's from, you know, the time where, you know, he worked. Like I'm almost sure that the reason that he's inking his own stuff now is just like, I don't want to pay another guy. I'll just do it. Yeah. Like I, like I feel like there's a old school practicality to him as a person. I had a lot of fun reading this. I'm curious what you felt overall reading it. If you enjoyed it, if you think the 70s idea is a good one, should we, should we just should we toss it? I don't really want to do a theme, but I find that we fall into them one way or another. Mm-hmm. So we'll figure out what the we're next not gonna, We're is. not going to do all yeah. 70s books. I think there's some other things we'll look at. But for the most part, we thought yep. we would look at this era of books. I thought it was interesting. I didn't have as much fun reading this as I did the last sort of Kirby Stan, fant- or the, actually it was a bunch of people, the Fantastic Four stuff we read, the Galactic stuff. Right. It took me a little longer to get into it for sure. When I got into a rhythm by the end, I was I was having fun with it for sure. Yeah. I don't know that I would really pick this up on my own as be like this is a thing, but there's value in it. It's you know for a person like for people like us who who talk about comics and think about them like that, you know the more we know the better. The you know like I feel like it adds to my overall perspective for what comics are, and you know a lot of this is the nascent version of who Batman is in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know this is you know I th- I'm gonna say. That outside of sort of the cartoons that we would see occasionally and, you know, the Batman TV show, which I never really liked, mm-hmm. that sort of greatest Joker stories, greatest Batman stories ever told, those are my introduction to a lot of this. Right. And so this is right there. You know, and also when you read that book, that was the point where I felt like I wasn't reading something from a billion years ago for kids. That the was the point where like, Ooh. yeah, yeah, like as you hit the Neil Adams stuff, late 60s, 70s, like that was the point where I was like, oh, these look cool. This is exactly, you know, and now I look at it differently. I look at that old stuff and I'd say, oh, I see what's cool about that. But when I was a kid, this was when I thought, oh, these are these are the real deal here. 
You know, it's it's the, these stories. People talk about Dark Knight Returns being the place where Batman became modern, and and it's true. But the process began here. He's not totally modern here for sure. He's definitely in the Bronze Age, but when you compare it to the Silver Age, it's definitely a step forward in terms of modernizing the character in the world. It's it's still very speak out loud what you're doing, all that stuff, but we're taking steps in the right direction that brings us to the Dark Knight Returns, which brings us to the modern age of Batman. And especially the look yeah. and feel of it. Where everything yep. looks more realistic and people look more realistic. I enjoyed reading it. I definitely enjoyed I reading did it. So that's yep. Batman by Neil Adams, book three. The February book explode. Are we doing ratings? I guess we're doing ratings on it. I mean, it's hard to okay. rate. It is. How do you de- determine a qualitative, you know, like what, what's, you know, is it in context? Is it, you know, if you've got this and a, a modern comic book by a, you know, by a modern master, how do you compare the two? But I think it's even, like even internally, don't. it's three different things. It's the comics and then it's the yeah. kids books in the, at the end and then it's the awesome cover gallery. So it's three different sections almost even within the book itself. So I'm going to have to rate it as an overall experience. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go. And overall, I'm going to give it um, a four out of five. Because the stuff I did enjoy reading, I really enjoyed reading. And there were some things I didn't enjoy reading. Yeah. I think I'm going to say three and a half. And I think that half star definitely is the difference between you and I. Mm -hmm. Whereas, I don't know, we rated the last one, the Fantastic World one. But I was very high. I would have been very high with it. Yeah, I think we did Um, five. I think we did five. Yeah. But I don't know. So, and that's about right. So there you go. If you have thoughts on these books, you can go to ifmo.com and uh, tell us what you thought. If you have memories of reading Neil Adams' books at the time or if you've discovered them later on or if, if you have any thoughts or if you know why they took the price off the covers or <laughs> if Neil Adams redrew some of these pages, which we suspect he did, you can find all those discussion of this book over at ifmo.com. You can also find all of our podcasts, our weekly Pick of the Week show in which Josh and I discuss the week's comics and our special edition shows where we talk about movies and other things that are outside of the purview of weekly comics. It's all there. And this show is the companion show to the Talksplode show in which Josh interviews a comic creator. Last month, Josh, you interviewed whom? Uh, Matthew Rosenberg of some indie comics like Four Kids Walk Into a Bank and then also a lot of Marvel comics. And you'll be back next month or this month with a new interview. This month. I, well, there's going to be a February one. So there you go. All that's at fanboy.com. Thank you for listening, and thanks for unlocking this show, patrons. We enjoy doing it. And until next time, I'm Connor. I can't believe you didn't introduose me to Manbat. <laughs> Josh, this is Manbat. And his you. wife. When are you going to introduce me to Manbat? Oh, sorry, Josh, this is Manbat. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, like, I don't know how many people listening read the book or looked at it, but they're like, what are they talking about now? <laughs> read the book, you'll know. Yeah, it's true. It's I mean, it's not a good story, but still, it's funny. You just call up my name, and you know wherever I am, I'll come running. Oh yes, I will see you again. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. Batman, can you ever forgive me? I already have, Francine. Well, I may never forgive you, Batman. Not unless you get around to introducing me to your friends. Uh, uh, Sorry, Robin. Uh, Kurt, uh, Francine, I'd like you to meet my protege and junior partner. (laughs) 